I'm Austin. And I'm Anna. And, and this, this is Grits. Grits. Join us in reclaiming what it means to be girls raised in the South. Mm-hmm. So let's get gritty. <laughs> All right. So for this episode, our travel gritty travel correspondent is <laughs> back. Mama Bane, come on in. Hello there, ladies. Hello. And thank you for the corny intro, Afton. (laughs) No problemo. No problemo. (laughs) Oh, I see your Spanish is up to snuff still. Well, it's it's working. (laughs) Hey, it got us out of Bolivia, did it not? (laughs) Yes, it did. (laughs) It kept Dad out of a Bolivian prison and us from having to stay there to visit him. You know, that story changes depending on who's telling it. That's true. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like like any Bain family story that's true that's true yeah so what what have you you've been traveling you've been traveling a globe trotter i have not been traveling the globe um well, <laughs> well at least the start of this year but i did make a trek to the southwest and visited arizona okay well i can't wait to do a gritty deep dive into the Mineral and gem show of Arizona. That is my sexy gem show voice. <laughs> you should be working at Jewelry TV here oh, in Knoxville, Anna, Tennessee. Anna. Uh, this whole political thing doesn't work out. Watch me. Jewelry TV. Watch me now. And for that, you will have to have your nails regularly manicured. <laughs> oh, Mom's always watching me chew my nails, so thank you. Mm. Thank you, Mom. Keeping, keeping tabs. So what happened in Arizona? Well, as you mentioned, I went to the Tucson Gem and Mineral Show, but I was also there to see girlfriends and college friends. I saw one guy, college friend, and uh, met his wife that I hadn't met because he's newly married. Um, So I went to places in Phoenix and Tempe, Sedona and Oak Creek Canyon and had a wonderful time. Um... The Tucson Gem and Mineral Show was great. I had never been there before all the years I lived in Arizona and kept meaning to go and just never did because, oh, I thought I'd live there the whole rest of my life. Surprise, mm-hmm. that didn't happen. So I decided to go to it this year. It's usually um, end of January, beginning of February every year. It's been going on for over 40 years now. Wow. And... The show brings together hobbyists, professionals, curators, and jewelry hounds like me. And what's interesting is I mentioned Jewelry TV earlier. Well, Jewelry TV is actually headquartered here in Knoxville. And what was interesting is at the Tucson Gem and Minerals show, I think half of them must have been there because they had their little lanyards on and all that. Of course, they don't buy retail like I have to buy because they have wholesale licenses and they're there to buy wholesale for the show. So if you tune in and see Southwest Treasures 10 to 1, those items came from the Tucson Gem and Minerals show. Is this, is this a plug? Can we get some, you think, you think they sponsored the, the pod? Uh, well, maybe they could. I don't know. Maybe you want to run and buy somebody over there. So um, how do you watch Jewelry TV? What channel I, is that? Actually, yeah, what is, what is that? What I have no idea. I, I watch it as I'm on my way to other channels. Mm. I'll see it and it'll be like, Oh, uh, Southwest Gems, I'm going to see what they have. Or, <laughs> or um, oh, what was the other one? Tanzanite, Tanzanite Treasures. Mm. Um, that was another one. Yeah, Pretty so 
<laughs> I don't watch it regularly. I just know that I drive past their uh, corporate headquarters pretty regularly. So I know they're down the street, just like HGTV um, has been in Knoxville for years as well. Hmm. So, and right, right, not far from my house. So yeah, it, it works out well. Um, I, I noticed on your last podcast, Afton mentioned that can't talk Uh, you're great you're great I'm I'm gonna spit it out now um Afton mentioned about me seeking turquoise treasures and yes that's true happens to be my favorite stone and by the way Afton I did buy a beautiful turquoise and silver bracelet of uh Hopi tradition which someday you will inherit I don't know when that'll be maybe Mm. Hopefully not anytime soon. The ongoing, but, the ongoing. Wait, can I? Say, I have to do that. Well, the ongoing joke is that I get my mom's turquoise collection, when, when she, <laughs> which I'm just googling all the time. The second funny thing about my mom and her jewelry collection is that anytime she takes a big trip, a global trip, where there's the possibility that you know her plane might crash or something she'll hand me she'll give me a piece of jewelry to pass on, and it's like, and it's this ongoing thing. Like when you went to Kenya, was it Kenya? Oh, yes, I think so. She handed me a piece of jewelry and she said, Afton, don't bring the bodies back, but come back, come to the country and go to the beach and have a big party in our honor. I was like, thank you, mom. Thank you. <laughs> Anyways, it's a, it's a, it's a, rich, it's a bane ritual okay. for you to give me a piece of jewelry before you go on a big trip. So, You know, I didn't realize I was doing that. Yeah. That's real interesting. Yeah. Okay. Huh. All right. Well, uh, anyway, getting back to my Arizona trip. Um I'm probably going to go back to the Tucson Gem and Mineral Show sometime, but don't tell your dad just yet. I don't want him to worry about that. <laughs> so, um, did you so, do a lot of damage? Uh, I kind of did, yeah. <laughs> Especially with the aforementioned bracelet. Yeah, mm-hmm. I did. But I don't regret a single minute of doing it. So it was wonderful. And I recommend everybody to go there as well as everybody to go to Arizona someday. And I'm going to talk a little bit about other things dealing with Arizona. Uh, For instance, on one day of my trip there, I was able with my college roommate Elaine to go up to Sedona, Arizona. And for those of you who've never been there, you need to Google Sedona and see how beautiful the scenery is there. It's beautiful red rocks, uh, just gorgeous. And one of the things that attracts people to Sedona besides the scenery is that there are four energy vortexes there, something to do with the earth and energy coming out of it. And I have no idea where they are. I didn't take time to find them this trip, but a lot of people throughout the world go there for that. And evidently it's one of the few places in the world that has that. So because of it, there's a lot of new age people slash spiritual seekers there besides just the regular tourists. Um, It is an area that was very sacred to the native Americans and Well, it still is, although the tourists are overrunning it. Uh, It's also um, famous um, because former Senator John McCain, who has now passed away, he has had, or his family still does, a ranch in Sedona. Mm. And at that ranch is where he and his staff vetted Sarah Palin to be his running mate in the 2008 election. Mm. Maybe they were so, the energy vortex. <laughs> maybe, maybe one of them is on the ranch. Mm-hmm. I don't know. 
but kind of scary if there's that's some the case. Big, there's some big vortex energy mm-hmm. happening here. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I realize when I talk with people about Arizona, most everyone thinks that the whole state is desert. And you know what? That's just not true at all. Um, it's got an extremely diverse landscape. In fact, there's five different climate zones. There's a mid-altitude desert, which is where Tucson is located. There's a low-altitude desert, which is where Phoenix and Tempe are located. And Tempe is east of Phoenix. I'll be mentioning that again soon. Then there's the cool plateau highlands, which is where Flagstaff is, where in you can go skiing in the winter and from Phoenix, it's not that long of a drive. It's also where the Grand Canyon's located. And then there's a high-altitude desert that's in the Four Corners area of Arizona. And Four Corners meaning four states come together there at a corner. You can actually stand on that spot. So it's Colorado, New Mexico, Utah, and Arizona. It also happens to be where the Navajo Nation is located in the Four Corners area and Monument Valley, which a lot of us are familiar with from movies and old Westerns, is located on the Navajo Reservation there. There's also the Hopi Reservation and a little bit of Zuni, which there are some Zuni also in western New Mexico bordering that um, Arizona state line. Um When you are going through climate zones, for instance, driving from Phoenix up to Sedona, when you get to Sedona, there aren't any cactuses, which is also what Arizona is known for. But on the way up there, you have beautiful scenery with a lot of cactus. And especially you see one of, well, it's my favorite plant ever. It's a saguaro. Mm. And a saguaro, if you see one that has an arm on it, At a minimum, that cactus is 75 years old and can be up to 100 years old. Wow. Which just seems mind-boggling that Mm. they can live that long. Wow. So not only are they um, north of Phoenix, in Phoenix, they're south of Phoenix, all the way down to the Mexican border because that's the area that encompasses the Sonoran Desert. And in fact, there is a national park located uh, right near Tucson, and it's uh, Saguaro National Park is, I think, the title of it, and just beautiful specimens of the plant. The state flower for Arizona happens to be the saguaro blossom. Oh. Okay. Um, There's also, believe it or not, saguaro rustlers. I'm sorry, Suaro rustlers? Rustlers, like cattle rustlers, only Suaro rustlers. I'm going to need you to... Elaborate on yeah. that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, a, a rustler intimates that something belonging to someone else is being stolen on the sly, right? As in cattle rustling, only this is Suaro rustling. Do they move? Do they they call in the night? I'm confused. No, but people that don't want to pay the big prices that a a, a legal Suaro commands or want to make a quick buck will go out in the desert in the middle of the night 
or in desert areas that they think no one's looking and dig them up and transport them and then sell them in like a, I guess, a a contraband. Yeah, Saguaro Black Market, I suppose. Oh, my gosh. You're hearing it first, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) So the state is, I don't know how often it happens anymore, but when I lived there, it was it happened every now and then. And it is a species that they don't, I guess you could say it's somewhat endangered, but they want to be sure that it's around for posterity. And they, so they fine heavily. In other words, if you get caught, there's probably time in jail, but I definitely know there's a heavy monetary fine. You have to be buying Suaro's in a legal fashion from a licensed supplier. In other words, if you're listening to this pod and you have been jailed for Suaro stealing, please give us a call. We would love to. We would love to interview you and hear okay, a little so, bit of background. I mean, you laugh at this, but I have to let you know that I don't know if your listeners are aware that I'm a beekeeper, but we have bee rustlers in East Tennessee, and I've yeah. had a friend who has had four beehives stolen. Because beehives are very expensive to replace, well, to buy and get set up and replace. And so if these people are looking to make a quick buck, they can steal someone else's beehives and sell them. And so the state apiarist has told us state beehive inspectors to tell people that are beekeepers that they need to put their uh, apiary number because you're supposed to every beekeeper is supposed that has a beehive is supposed to have an apiary number for their beehive and they're supposed to put that on the inside of each honey super and believe it or not honey supers that have been stolen have been found and people have been prosecuted for that here oh in Tennessee. So you may laugh at Swaroos. What's a honey super? A honey super is um, a beehive is made up of several boxes that stack on top of each other, right? Mm-hmm. And a honey super is the size of that uh, bees would put their honey store in. And as humans, they're storing it for wintertime. But as humans, we're stealing it off the hives for our own benefit. We'll have we'll have a whole other episode on beekeeping. Beekeeping, yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Yes. All righty. Um, I spent another day of my trip in Tempe at my uh, alma mater, Arizona State. An, and why is that important, Mom? Why is that important? Why is why is Tempe important? Tempe's Tempe's important because it's it's where my alma mater is, Arizona State University, and Mom. I want to give a, a shout out to it. Oh, I forget. I, I was born in Phoenix. Okay, no, irrelevant, irrelevant. <laughs> I wanted you to say because my firstborn child was from Tempe. No, you were born in Phoenix. Sorry. Oh, okay. Cool. <laughs> okay, so I want to give a shout out to Arizona State because for, I do think it's about five years in a row, they have been the number one university in the U.S. for innovation, according to U.S. News and World Report. So that means they're beating out all these other schools like MIT, Harvard, Stanford, etc. And they're also number 10 in the world, in the world for patents. Whoa. Yeah. How do you know? I know. And so here's this little former teacher's college in the Arizona Territory of the Wild West that's now become a formidable public research university. 
so I do have some a little story to tell you. I stopped in at the bookstore, and I wanted to know why they something had changed. And that changes. The mascot for the university is Sparky the Sun Devil. And Sparky, <laughs> our colors are maroon and gold. And Sparky's face is very kind of mean, mischievous looking is the only way I can describe it. And when I went to school there, Sparky always carried a pitchfork. <laughs> my, type and, of, my type of man. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. That's all yeah. I'm saying. And so I asked at the, I was noticing at the bookstore that Sparky no longer has a pitchfork. He's got something <laughs> that looks more like a trident that Poseidon, you know, the ancient Greek god, would be holding in his hand. Or Aquaman, for that matter, on Hollywood uh, movie Aquaman, and the person at the counter told me, of course, a young person, probably no more than 21, 22, said that there were a lot of complaints that from, he felt, the religious community that felt that Sparky's demeanor and outfit wasn't quite appropriate and needed to be updated for the times, (laughs) <laughs> so whether or not that's true, I don't know, but this is what I was told. So I'll just leave it at that. So let me just, but, can I, can I re- so the religious right was upset that it looked too much like a devil and they rebelled and they removed <laughs> the, the pitchfork and now it's a trident. Well, now it has a trident. Yes. And that's his story. <laughs> uh, I have no idea to verify it if it's true. Um, I neglected to ask my friends that live in Arizona if that's the fact. Um, and neglected to do that before this podcast, so I can't say. Right, we'll have a we'll report back. We'll yeah. Yeah. We'll so that might be another report back. Um, the other thing that you know, I always tell you, kids, life is about change, and nothing stays static. I know you've heard that from me. And to go to Tempe and see how much it's changed, that all these old bungalows and cottage homes that were in downtown Tempe are all ripped down. There's now skyscrapers. And one of the skyscrapers is Norton LifeLock, the company, you know, that helps people with identity theft. They also dammed the Rio Salado River, which really wasn't much of a river in Tempe. It was, um, well, would become a river during summer monsoon time. But they've managed to uh, dam it up and create a lake. So there's a lake right by the university, which oh, wow. is unbelievable. And the university is so big now that when I walked to campus, I had to actually look for buildings that I remember and go from there. And so I could get my bearing. So it has just massively grown, which isn't surprising because Phoenix is now the fifth largest city in the U.S., what? which I thought is amazing. Yes, it's the fifth largest city in the U.S. and... Planet Citizen has named it the world's least sustainable city. Oh, no. And oh, why no, no. You, I was on a high. Now I'm just. Why do you think that is? Why do you think it's the world's least sustainable city? Do they have to buy their water from Colorado? Well, it's water issues. They just don't have enough for the growth. And they're always fighting with Colorado and California and Nevada and Utah for water rights, mainly to the Colorado River. So we'll see what happens in the future, but that's where it stands right now. So then from Tempe, I went to Scottsdale that same day. And Scottsdale, which is just north of Tempe, has a new museum. It's called Museum of the West. 
and it's a Smithsonian affiliate museum. So it was a very good museum. One thing that they had there that really is memorable for me, they had a temporary exhibit with a photography retrospective of former Republican Senator Barry Goldwater's extensive photography collection. Uh, Wait, is this like Bush painting portraits? Barry Goldwater has a photographer? Photography, yes. And he is a great, or I should say was, because he's passed, he was a great photographer. And in fact, he did a lot of covers for Arizona Highway magazines. I guess it's Arizona Highways magazine, which I used to subscribe to, but I've long let that subscription expire since moving to Tennessee. But his photography is fabulous. And he was able to get, um, he was a photographer even from an early age. So he caught a lot of early Arizona because Arizona became a state, our 48th state, in 1912. So it's only been a state for 208 years. Whereas if you, if you want to do a comparison, uh, the University of Tennessee here in East Tennessee oh, is is over 225 years old and the state of Tennessee itself is, well, actually the university is, is two years older than the state of Tennessee. Mm. Okay. So that gives you an idea of how young the state of Arizona is when it comes to being part of the union. Um, So what I found out going through that photography exhibit, and then it made me, do some more research on Barry Goldwater as a result was, so Barry Goldwater was born in 1909 before Arizona became a state, which as I mentioned earlier, was 1912. He died in 1998. So he's been dead a while and his, uh, the, the person who's his successor as Senator in Arizona was John McCain, Mm. who recently passed away. But I thought it was worthwhile to kind of go into a little bit about Barry Goldwater because I don't think a lot of people on the pod know who that is. Well, okay, so that's why I thought it would be a good idea to do that. Now, I'm I'm old enough to remember who he is, but I know you young'uns Mm -hmm. wouldn't necessarily know. Um, So to give you a little bit of background on him, his family moved to Arizona before he was born, which he was in 1909. His grandfather actually started a trading post in a small town in Arizona, a mercantile. And he eventually moved that mercantile to the Phoenix area. And that mercantile ended up becoming a huge high-end department store called Goldwater's. Hmm. And Goldwater's was there when I lived there. You always went there for something quite nice, let's say, to wear to some kind of function. So it was kind of a mixture of a Nordstrom and a Dillard's, is I guess the way I could explain it, as far as what kind of items it carried. Um, Mostly clothing, shoes, that sort of stuff. But in, in the store that I would have gone to at the time would have been in Scottsdale. But through acquisitions, buyouts, so forth, it is no longer 
Goldwaters, it's something completely else at the same location. But in the meantime, between his grandfather establishing the mercantile or the store Goldwaters and him becoming senator, the family became quite influential and wealthy Mm. in Arizona, which became went from being a territory to a state. So I guess you could kind of call them one of the founding families because of that. But why Barry Goldwater is even pertinent in this day and age has to do with two things. Um, One thing is that he wrote a book in the 60s called The Conscience of a Conservative. And that book is still read today and still quoted today by conservatives. And that book paved the way for the whole conservative movement. It was the starting seed for the whole conservative movement that we actually know today. In 1964, now this is when I first remember seeing his name because of billboards and yard signs. In 1964, he ran for president. He was the Republican nominee running for president against the Democratic incumbent, who was Lyndon Baines Johnson, Mm. from not far from Austin, Texas, whose wife, Lady Berg, went to the University of Texas at Austin. And whose daughter was a Zeta at the University of Texas. Oh, wow. That I didn't know. Okay. All right, which is the same sorority sorority you were in. Sorority information for you. A little sorority (laughs) shout out there. Okay. (laughs) So here's another interesting thing. So Barry Goldwater's father was Jewish and his mother was Episcopalian. So he's actually the first person, first ethnically Jewish person to be a candidate nominated by a major party. Wow. Now, Bernie Sanders is Jewish, so he would be the second Jewish person nominated by a major party. (laughs) Right. Okay, so so who knew? So I thought that was really interesting. So the other thing that's interesting is that 1964 – was there was a major major legislation put through in 64 do you remember what that was voting rights act civil rights Act. well that was medicare that was part of it (laughs) well no lyndon baines johnson did get medicare through and thank you very much i'm appreciative of that for all the oldsters in the family who use it (laughs) Um, i'm not there yet but i'm i'm close um but the ni- in 1964, it was the Civil Rights Act, along with a lot of voting rights act, I think, at the same time. I can't – I don't remember that part of it. We'll look it up. We'll look it up. But, but definitely the Civil Rights Act. Now, Barry Goldwater was opposed to the Civil Rights Act, and not for what you th- – why you think he was opposed to it, which I thought was <laughs> Yeah, no, this is, okay. oh, I'm loving this. Okay, so he was opposed, he, n- number one, I have to say, he was always against discrimination of any kind. He was one of the so first. was he more libertarian? Pe- yes, um. yes, that's the whole point. He's more libertarian, he was against discrimination of any kind. In fact, he was one of the first people to advocate 
for um, a desegregation of the Arizona National Guard and made sure it happened. So he was opposed to that. He also has a gay grandson. So, but in 1964, that grandson wasn't even a glimmer in anybody's eye. But to let you know, so he was very much against discrimination of any kind. But why he voted against it is he felt it went against states' rights and individuals' rights, as mainly an individual's rights, which would be more the libertarian side of this, the individual's rights to oppose, um, to oppose serving anyone or selling to anyone or doing for anyone that they didn't want to. In other words, nobody should be forced into doing anything they didn't want to do. Wow. So I thought that was really interesting. And again, I think that's more the libertarian bent. Okay, so here's another. So Barry Goldwater's name has come up the last three months. And it may be surprising to you two to hear that, but it his name has been on the news feeds. The reason being is that we have been dealing this nation has been dealing with Trump's impeachment and subsequent acquittal. But during and directly before Trump's impeachment, uh, what do you call it? Trial, trial. Trial, yes. Okay, I lost my train of thought. Sorry, I'm getting, mm-hmm. I'm getting close to Medicare age, so I do have those memory <laughs> moments. Um, so during that time, a lot of historians were bringing up Barry Goldwater and a lot of political pundits as well. The reason being is that Barry Goldwater was one of a handful of Republican senators who went to Richard Nixon in 1974 and said, look, you, for what you've done, which was totally appropriate, inappropriate, I'm sorry, not appropriate, inappropriate, what Nixon done, did, which was the water, Watergate break-in and the subsequent scandal from that, and these tapes of him saying all these things that were inappropriate, They went to Nixon. Barry Goldwater was part of this group and said, look, you need to resign. For our party, for our country, you need to resign. Do the right thing or you're going to get impeached. Wow. Now, did any of the Republicans do that for Trump? And And was that that his first response? Like that was his first response out of the gate? He didn't need any persuasion or... You mean Barry Goldwater? Yeah, Barry Goldwater. Okay, that I don't know, but this this I think I do know from history and from living through that time, because I was a young person at that time, a teenager. The Republicans were not on board so much with impeaching Nixon until the tapes came out mm. and until John Dean testified to the Watergate committee what he knew because our former senator who's long passed away, Howard Baker is famous for the line. What did the president know? And when did he know it? And it's the question that he asked John Dean. And my understanding is then the floodgates started opening with all his testimony 
and Republicans realized that what Nixon did was larger than they ever thought and worse than they ever thought. And so this group of, now I don't know the other senators that went with Barry Goldwater, but my understanding is he was the lead person to say we need to do this and did it. And of course, the rest is history, and Nixon did resign. And he did put country before party, Nixon did. And, you know, as we say, the rest is kind of history there. We know how all that turned out. And how was and how was Barry Goldwater's reputation affected post impeachment? Well, everybody looks at him as a patriot, mm. and he's gone down in history as a patriot because of it. Because in the end, he dealt with his conscience and what was the right thing to do, and above all else, what was the right thing to do for the country. Not necessarily my Republican Party, because. In the next election is when, in so when Nixon resigned, Gerald Ford became president, right? Because he was his vice president at the time. So Gerald Ford became president, but he did not win another term. The next president was Jimmy Carter. Oh, and the, the losing the election in 1976 to Jimmy Carter was a direct result of this Watergate and disillusion with Watergate and the Republicans and what happened. So there are consequences to this if people really are, are willing to look at what's right for the country. What, what was the best thing to do? Um, the other thing is interesting. The other thing interesting is that John McCain was Barry Goldwater's successor as a Republican senator in Arizona. And John McCain, if you remember right, when the Republican Senate was trying to overturn the Affordable Care Act slash Obamacare, that John McCain Put a thumb, notorious thumbs down, which Anna and I, and and it's funny, like in the in in the advocacy community, you know the people who are who who lived through twenty seventeen by by talking about that moment. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) yes, and so you know, for people who don't who didn't have health care and may not have it in the future because of Trump. Trump's administrations at the very moment we're speaking while the courts are closed right now, I'm assuming, but they are in the courts trying to get it all overturned while he's saying in rallies that he's doing everything he can to make sure people have affordable medical care. But that's not the case because he's in court trying to overturn the Affordable Care Act and there is no plan in place to take its place. Right. So... So that is also one reason why John McCain was the focus of Trump's ire and wrath, because without that one vote thumbs down, they would have gotten rid of the Affordable Care Act by now. Mm. And while we, we know the Affordable Care Act isn't perfect, but it is something. 
And it does have some provisions that in this family we've been appreciative of. And I know later on you'll have your gratitude corner. So I'll just say, I'm grateful for the Affordable Care Act, two provisions in it. One, pre-existing conditions. And two, that my children, Afton, you being one of them, was able to stay on our health care as a family until you were 26 years old Mm -hmm. and through graduate school. So there are wonderful things to the Affordable Care Act. Does it need tweaking? Yes. But I guess we'll see what happens coming up this next election. So the other thing that I want to say is, I guess I have a lot of other things I've been saying, um, (laughs) is I think we've all heard that Arizona is maybe a trending purple state. It is. It is. And I can't wait. I'm so excited for this episode to debut because I'm going to send it to the Indivisible Organizer in Arizona and she's going to love it. I can't Ah, wait. okay. Well, all right. That that will be nice. Um, I'll be famous in Arizona or not. <laughs> <laughs> but um, the Republicans are targeting, are trying very hard to keep Martha McSally who was appointed interim senator after John McCain died before his term was over, they're trying very hard to keep her as senator. Now, it happens that, do you remember Gabby Giffords? Uh, yeah, Gabby, for the people on the pot, yeah. Who, who's okay, Gabby? so Gabby Giffords was a representative, a House U.S. House representative from the Tucson area who was shot while doing a um, greet and meet at a grocery store in Arizona and was, was shot by somebody who turned out to be very mentally ill, um, but very anti, um, democratic party, I guess you could say. And she spent a long time, she survived it, spent a long time rehabilitating. She can't, she doesn't have full function of her body. She she doesn't talk the same way she did. In other words, technically she lost her job because she could no longer be a representative because she couldn't function at that level anymore. But she is married to Mark Kelly, who him and his brother are twins and they were astronauts or are astronauts or his his twin brother still works for NASA, I do believe. And Mark Kelly went up in space as an astronaut, but he is running to be senator against Martha McSally. Who's, uh, she's uh, infamous now for calling a member of the, the, the press, the press corps, a liberal, <laughs> a liberal hack. Yes. Yes. Which Trump loved, so she's made Trump very happy. Um, I thought it was really rather rude, and I hate rudeness on any level from anyone. I don't care if they're Republican or Democrat, uh, but that was rude. So anyway, so it'll be interesting as to who wins that seat, because Mark Kelly is pretty well-liked in Arizona, and considering what his wife went through, that it would be nice to see the husband take up the mantle in Arizona for her because she can no longer be part of politics anymore. Now, another thing interesting and harking back to Barry Goldwater is in my reading, 
Arizona was pretty much a Democratic kind of state before Barry Goldwater. Uh, he most of the people elected before him were Democrats, is my understanding. And when he was elected, he was one of the first Republicans to be senator from that state. And then since then, it's always been Republicans up until uh, this latest. Kristen Cinema. Right, right. Well, which, they have a really high uh, percentage of independent voters as well. Yes, which I'm not surprised at that since I tend that way and I am that way. Um, they, I look at it as that's the West. You know, I, in, in some ways, the West doesn't change in that way. Um, and I think they like to try to think for themselves. I think maybe you could say independent slash libertarian leaning, which then maybe is where the Republican end comes in. As we talked about with Barry Goldwater, he was probably more libertarian than actually Republican. Um, anyway, so that was my Arizona trip, aside from kind of being surprised at some of my former college roommates that are evangelicals that they're not voting for Trump. Mm. What was their reason? The reason is the way he treats people. They well, just Trump's can't. not using the golden rule? Evidently not. Evidently not. And I was very surprised at, I, let's just put it this way. I wouldn't have thought that they wouldn't be voting for Trump. I just assumed that they would. But we know what assume can mean, and I won't go into that. But um, so that was surprising. Um, there's also a lot of split households where the husband or wife is voting one way and the other spouse is voting the other way. So essentially canceling each other's votes out. But for the most part, the women are very anti-Trump. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. Well, that's going to be the Super Tuesday. I think Arizona is a su- is Arizona Super Tuesday state. I think so. Ooh, I didn't look. I don't know. I did look to see if Texas was, and it is. Texas is I- California, North Carolina, Tennessee, Colorado. Some some big. I mean, Tennessee's an electoral wasteland post this, but uh, is Arizona? Anna's doing a fact check. Anna's doing a fact check. Yeah, but I okay, so find my thumb, so it's really hard to. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that that would be interesting. I should have actually Googled that. I know Tennessee is. No, it's later. And, it's March 17th. Oh, oh, okay. It's later. Oh, there's, okay. There's St. Patrick's Day. Okay. Um, I know that Tennessee has an open primary, which means that you can cross lines and ask for, you know, if you're a Democrat, ask for a Republican primary ballot and vice versa. Okay. So that I knew because, frankly, I've done that before. So <laughs> are you going to be voting in the presidential Yes. Oh, are you going to endorse a candidate on, on this grits pod or is that for your? No, Okay. because I haven't decided on anybody yet. Are Landon and I, are we working our magic or Bernie magic on you? Oh, not yet. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't get caught in the spell. Anna's, Anna's team Warren, which is great. I mean, that's. Oh, she's uh, Elizabeth Warren. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I haven't decided on anyone yet. I just haven't. That's Mom, in fact, think back, think back to our wonderful trip to Bolivia and think about <laughs> think about American interference in it. Think, in think a, about Bernie with the Sandinistas. Think, 
Well, Bernie's in hot water after his 60 Minutes interview on Sunday night when he gave Fidel Castro in Cuba some snaps. Well, to be fair, to be fair, they have an excellent healthcare system. Oh, gosh. Okay. All right. So, so I hear, but I also heard him say that they implemented a literacy program there. Which they have is the most, a, they have the highest literacy rate of any. I mean, yeah, that's all true. Yeah, it is true. But there's people, Cuban Americans and Floridians. A well, lot of them they're are mostly sad. the wealthy, the wealthy Cubans that came over after Fidel took took, took all their stuff. Yep, yes, right. <laughs> <laughs> nationalized all the so, industry. So, so I do not blame them for Fidel Castro bashing for taking all their stuff. So um, anyway, it's 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 very interesting to see all this, and we have early voting here in Tennessee through March. I'm sorry, not March, February 25th, which is tomorrow. And normally, I early vote because I prefer that voting site over the one I'm actually um, assigned to. But I think I'm going to wait until March 3rd because I want to be part of the primary voting excitement on Super Tuesday. I love it. I love it. Plus, it also gives me a little more time to decide who am I going to vote for, and I want to see what happens in the South Carolina primary. Oh, great. So mom's mom's part of the Super Tuesday focus group that's diligently watching South Carolina. Yes, I am. I want to see what happens. Because it's the first state in the South to vote. And I'm curious. And there will be a lot of African-Americans voting. And I think what I've heard is that African-American women are the people who are going to determine who the candidate is. Overall, uh, mom, is that correct? That is 100% accurate. Democratic uh, black black women are the, the backbone of the Democratic Party. I will say that I do have a new poll released today that Biden leads Biden's lead there is to four points over Bernie Sanders in South Carolina. I did hear that a few hours ago. Well, well, mm-hmm. this is, I did hear that. I think it's also really funny um, at my organization that we always. We always talk about our moms as focus groups because they're excellent. They're excellent. Um, uh, they digest a lot of media and, you know, and they see a lot of ads. So um, trust me, mom, all, all of your intel is very helpful. Well, that's good to hear. And do you know why a lot of us do that? When our, when our children are involved in politics, we worry about them having a target on their back. <laughs> <laughs> so we have to know what's going on at any given moment. So we're prepared. Afton's not controversial at all. <laughs> not at all. I know. So why do I She's worry? She's blocked by multiple people. <laughs> yeah. Why do I worry? Right. Mom, I've been blocked by a lot of politicos in the state for my for my progressive <laughs> positions. How does that make you feel as a mother to a to a nonconformist? Okay. So. I would like to see the golden rule applied all across the board. And I, we all know I'm not on Twitter. I'm not on Instagram. I'm not on Facebook. I have no desire to be on any of it. But I do want there to be civil discourse and kindness. Did I hear, wait, can I just, civil disobedience? I think I heard. No, I heard no, I said, <laughs> I said civil discourse and kindness. Civil disobedience and kindness. Okay. I do not want anybody stooping that I know, anybody stooping 
to the level of bullying and making fun of people. That, to me, is inappropriate no matter who does it, and my children weren't raised that way. So if that's why you're being blocked, then you've got some work to do. <laughs> Tough love. I Tough like love. It. That's right. Mama Bane. Well, mom, I will be I will be at the house tomorrow bringing our little pug, Frankie. So mom decided mom and dad decided that their their grandparent names were Mama B and Papa B. Aww. It's kind of appropriate. Beekeepers. The last <laughs> name starts with a B. Yeah, I think that works. <laughs> Well, I've been prepping him. Like, you're going to Mama Bee's. And he has no idea what you're talking about, but that's okay. Yes, he's very excited. Oh, I'll let you ladies finish up your program, and I'll say goodbye to the eve for to you because the evening's getting old, and so am I. So <laughs> I will talk with you, ladies, at another time. All right, thank you, Mom. Our gritty travel correspondent, Mama Mama B, on the phone, and we're so grateful. And uh, we'll catch you in two weeks. That thank sounds you. good. We'll talk with you later. Have a good two weeks. In the meantime, Anna and Afton, I'll see you tomorrow. All right, love you, All Mama right. B. Love you too. Bye. Bye. Until next time, (laughs) keep it gritty. Keep it gritty. Bye.